Hey everyone, it's Peter Rosenberg from Cheap Heat. Join me and the fearless, physically large stat guy, Greg, and of course, Super Agent 35 under 35, Dipperstein, as we tackle the biggest stories in pro wrestling each and every week. To hear us, follow the Ringer Wrestling Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Stay mage and enjoy yourself. Welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Musok Kwanga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks, man. How are you? Great, thanks. You know me, just rolling along as usual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About time. Are you in the mood uh, for some virtue signaling? <laughs> I am always in the mood of virtue signaling. They don't call me Musa Woke Kwanga for nothing. Listen, it's Monday, everybody. Time <laughs> to get woke. Let's let's <laughs> woke up. Virtue signaling podcasters. Woke them on. Woke them on. <laughs> But can you catch them all? I don't think you can. You can't catch them all. I don't think you can. There's always new wokeness out there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we hope everyone's staying safe and well, and um, that you had a lovely weekend. Some admin. Yes. We thought Kwonga will be joining Florence Lloyd Hughes and Ian Wright on Wright's House on Tuesday. Well, indeed. Not sure anyone will really want to listen to that, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> nothing really happened over the weekend, did nothing it? Nothing really happened. Nice, quiet <laughs> weekend. Um, other bits of admin. You're away next week, so uh, we might have we might have a little change to a schedule. We might I don't know. Yeah, Moose is. We're either gonna do a little pre-record of some fun stuff, or maybe I'll be able to do whatever I want, and Moose can't stop me because he's not going to be here. <laughs> I mean, technically, can do that anyway. So anyway, yeah, like feeding the gremlins after midnight. Moose is going <laughs> to check the podcast. It's just going to be like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Twenty Jazz Front Greats. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, we'll keep you we'll keep you in the loop later in the week when we do the Thursday pod. Today we are going to talk about a pretty wild weekend in yes. the UK. <laughs> yes, goodness, very strange. We will also talk about uh, Barcelona being charged with corruption. Corruption, actual oh, goodness. I mean, it's just. Um, so we'll talk about that, and we'll just wrap up some results because some fun results this weekend. Um, don't forget to check counter press for all the Barclays WSL stuff. There's some great mm. goals in WSL this weekend. Oh my God. Um, and a pretty important weekend. Um, but yeah, other than that, don't forget to check the Stadio Outros playlist on Spotify. And if you want to read a piece by Musa Kwonga about something Oscars related. Oh yes. Musa wrote a piece about everything, everywhere, all at once. Yes. The New Statesman, which is very good. Very good piece. Oh, thanks a lot, man. Very good piece about a very good movie, which you and I both loved. A film which went on to win all the Oscars all at once. Oh, look at that. You turned a phrase. Look at that. Why, thank you. Um, how, many, have, how many times have you watched it? I've already done two. I might go for a third this week. I think in this universe, I've watched it once, but in the multiverse, I've watched it countless times. All right. Should we talk about some, well, I was going to say football, but it's not really football, but should we talk about it after this? Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Daylight saving time is once again upon us, which for me is a good thing. Longer days mean more hours of daylight for outdoor sports. But if you're hiring, it's a whole different ballgame. Because even though it may feel as if your day is longer, it won't help you find qualified candidates any sooner. There's only one way to do that. ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com stadio. Once you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology works round the clock to show you people with the skills and experience to match your job. Then you can review your list of qualified candidates and invite your top choices to apply. So spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Stadio. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash Stadio. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. I assume that most listeners will have seen what happened over the weekend. Gary Lineker writing a tweet referring to the new proposed legislation from the UK government on migration and asylum seekers. Having language that was similar, but not dissimilar, from that you would see in 1930s Germany. 
That is literally the tweet that got him into all of this trouble. Yeah. Legislation that, is it UN refugees agencies has said? Have they've expressed alarm and which will make life even more perilous for people who are seeking asylum refuge across the water? Yes. At a time where, let's just say things at home aren't great. Yeah, that's fair. You may say that the Conservatives have lost control of the dressing room. Indeed, indeed. Probably should have been replaced a long time ago. Thomas Tuckle's right there, Moosla. Is that, yeah, he's, Thomas Tuckle is right there. Kirsten <laughs> 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 uh, 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 like, why am I suddenly playing wingback? What's, what? <laughs> uh, so anyway, the BBC decided that um, Gary Lineker would not be presenting Match of the Day on Saturday, which caused uproar among a load of people. Ironically, mm. the people who seemed to be rejoicing were the people who keep banging on about cancel culture and free speech. Yeah. Weird yeah. how that happens. And actually. the leader of the free speech union said that, oh, this isn't, I'm not sure this is a free speech issue yet. Yeah. So he was taken off matches today because of the BBC impartiality guidelines. The guidelines, yeah, yeah. But actually, if you actually, if you actually read the guidelines, he didn't violate any of them. As people pointed out at numerous points over the weekend, there has been a quite a lot of hypocrisy there because there have been many, many other examples where this hasn't happened. Mm. A man that you might know, called Ian Wright, wrote a tweet saying that he wasn't going to do a match of the day either. Yeah. And then all of the dominoes started falling and yes. basically the BBC studios was like that John Travolta gif where it was just like, who can we find to do match of the day? There was no one around. All the commentators stepped back there wasn't much they could do because they had no one to do anything. Do it with, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Match of the Day was broadcast. Well, it actually wasn't broadcast. It was, pr- was rebranded as Premier League Highlights. It had no intro music, no outro music, no punditry, no commentary, no interviews. And you know what? No vibes. <laughs> no vibes. Obviously, people of a, of a certain political persuasion pretended that they loved it. Oh, this is great. Oh, this is fantastic. Oh, this I is get, just so good. I can get down to the pub this afterwards. So mm, mm, oh great, God. great. Mm, mm. There's two things at play here. Either you're pretending that you loved it or... <laughs> yes. You're demonstrating that actually you don't want anything to be fun. Thank you. Can I just say, what was amazing about this whole thing, right? People just telling on themselves. There's one individual. I won't, I won't name them here, but one individual... Irony, this is one individual going, oh, I, I love watching it without the commentators from so-called experts with low IQs. And I thought, there's so much going on there. First of all, mm. you've underestimated footballers because like many people, you think that just because someone was raised a working class background, they have a low intellect. You're telling on yourself, right? Yeah. Um, which is like, you know, forget even the ableism of it. It's cruel. It's mean. It's nasty. There's a couple of comments like that about, oh, footballers being unable to read or being dumb, which I thought was extremely mm. interesting, right? considering those footballers are better at their jobs than those people who are commentators themselves. The other thing that was really funny, one of those comments came from a commentator going, oh, what's the point doing us a recap of things you've already seen? I thought, mm, buddy, you made your career as a political sketch writer. <laughs> it's the definition of recapping stuff that people have already seen, right? So like, mm. wind your neck in. Um, what was interesting as well, I think this whole thing playing out was the amount of leadership that we've come to expect from footballers and people in football. And here's the thing, I'm not against people who are public figures stepping up and taking responsibility because you have a big platform, you use it. It was really frightening, Ryan. And I had this conversation with mates of mine. We were talking about all of this and they're going, yeah, like not sure about some of the comments and like not sure about maybe the tone of some of Lineker's um, language, the analogy he drew. And I was like, I said, you know, I get that because I don't want to get into the nuances of all of that necessarily. I said, the scary thing about all this is the peak, like everything else has been tried. Like, because my friends are going, oh, but we should use this language. I said, like, yeah, no, you're completely right. You're right. We've used it. Like we have had countless novels, plays, books. Shout out to Sally Hayden, a great book about um, policies leading to drowning um, in Europe, uh, drowning of refugees, migrants in Europe. And like literally people have tried everything to raise this issue and get it to prominence. And even when it got raised to prominence, Ryan, the scary thing is it still wasn't really about the people drowning or the people in danger. It was still about England's vision of itself. Mm. It was still in the end about, oh, you can't call us those monsters. That That's the sense. thing. That's what happened this weekend. People, I think the mask finally slipped for a lot of people and they realised that they've been rumbled. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You notice a real 
change in tact when that happens. Mm. I don't like saying in Britain because, or, or the UK because I think it's specifically an English thing. I think actually. that's right. That's right. I think, yeah. It's like, no, 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 we're not like those. We're not like those people. And actually you bring up a direct comparison to something that suggests that you are. Yeah. And it's panic stations. Yes. It's another example of how important sport can be in politics and vice versa and how the two have always been intertwined and they always will be. Yes. Because at the end of the day, if you step back from it without all of the context, without all of the knowledge, without any of the policy, without any of the actual person uh, personalities involved, the presenter of a, t- of a football highlights package show yes. essentially raised awareness of some very, very, very cruel practices and questionable hate behaviour from a broadcasting corporation and a government on a scale that no opposition leader has managed to do for fuck knows how long. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. few yeah. broadcasters have managed to do in a decade. Yeah. Political commentators, people who are paid to cover this stuff, have failed to hold people to account in the way that Ian Wright, Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer managed to do on Friday night. It's wild. It's, it's wild. fucking bizarre. And actually, when you break it down to that level, it shows you how embarrassment is the biggest tool for people in dealing with situations like this. Because if you're angry, then you're just like an angry woke leftist. Yes. You're in your liberal bubble. You're in your metropolitan elite. You're Mm. in your fucking virtue signaling, whatever it is. And it's easy to write you off. Exactly. It's so easy. But actually, the thing that's really funny, if you just call a country weird. Yeah. And that's what it is. It's a weird country. Yeah, yeah. It is a weird country. It's moving like, like Jeanette would say, a little bit. Meow. Meow. Yeah. Like that is the whole energy of it. So weird. These people are so desperate to be taken seriously. Yes. Think of Rishi Sunak in the uh, that canteen on Christmas Day asking a homeless guy if he was interested in business. And the guy was just like, I'm homeless, mate. Yeah. Like the cringe, the cringe or stand, factor. Or standing, standing in that like, garden saying, I've redistributed money from, tum- from, um, from poor areas to Tunbridge Wells. Like this, and being proud of they it. They are That's not serious weird. people. They're not serious. They are, they are not serious, but they are extremely dangerous. And you, but you cannot, you cannot shift the needle by telling them that they are extremely dangerous. You have to embarrass them. Yes. The prime minister posting a statement on a Saturday evening, which is super rare, especially with. Let's just remind ourselves what this is. Re- the presenter of a TV of a football highlight show. A football highlight show. A football highlight show. Do you know what's amazing about this as well? When he made that statement, he said that, oh, he hopes it's resolved in a timely manner. It's not a matter for the government. I'm like, mm, my guy, like 36 members of your government, so that's uh, members of parliament, members of the House of Lords, have written a letter, an open letter, asking for an apology from Gary Lineker. Your own, your own classmates want this person's head on a spike. Do you know why he said that? It's because he knew that they weren't going to win. Yeah. If it was winnable, it would have been a matter for the government and they That's would have owned it as a win. Because I don't think they expected this. No, I don't think so. Actually, can I just throw this in as well? There's, there's actually, there's two things here. The first thing is like, if you think of the UK at the moment and what's been taken from people, affordable standards of living have been taken, affordable healthcare, affordable transport, ease of travel, right? And now you're coming, you know, nightlife, you know, the cost of nightlife. And it keeps promising, oh, well, when, when Brexit happens, we'll give money to NHS. That didn't happen. Oh, when we send the boats back, we'll get more money for this. No, it won't because you've got time right now to do it and energy bills are flying up and you've taken all of this from people. So let's look at the situation now, right? So people can't go out much, right? They can't go out, can't have fun spontaneously because things are expensive, can't travel outside the country. What does that leave you with? Sitting at home in your house, which you can't even heat as much as you want to, watching match the day, right? And now they're taking, you can't even have that. They're taking away your escapism. Somehow, they've even managed to fuck that up. Right, and thank you. And here's the funny thing as well. And this isn't, and I give this credit to the British public, right? A recent um, poll came out, survey came out. 88% of people who had taken in a Ukrainian refugee said they'd do so again. Only 3% said they wouldn't, right? I think almost 70% of people polled in the UK said that it was right for the UK to take in 150,000 refugees. And actually, credit to those in the government who push for that. I want to give credit as well, because there are some people in that government that still care. They're in the minority, unfortunately, the vast minority, but still, they do care enough, right? Um, and one thing those people criticised was, they said, actually, the government didn't provide us with enough support to take those refugees in. So what that means is the British public, despite the support of the government, still, during a cost of living crisis, made room for vulnerable people. That's yep. incredible. So what that tells me is, if football just keeps going, if the British public just keeps its empathy open, right, and ignores 
the the loud, the violently loud minority, and it's still a, I think it is a minority, but it's a significant one, and it's still a it's a big minority, but I th- I think it's still a minority. If it manages to ignore those people, and just keeps sharing the stories of people that actually care mm. about those who are desperate, I think there's a path through this. That's what excites me. You can have your match of the day back with the presenters you want, but also you can have you can have the best version of your country back. And that's what this is about. It's the best versions of yourselves. You know, when you go out with someone amazing, you're like, oh, I love this person. Why? Because they make me a better person. Like, I really feel like, and I mean, because I'm very earnest and cheesy, but I'll say it. I really feel like the football community made the UK and made England specifically a slightly better place this weekend. Yeah, Just by virtue of the pushback and going, actually, no, do you know what? Just by virtue signaling of the pushback. Virtue, that, right. Hey, listen. Hey. Listen, respect to virtual signals. <laughs> I mean, the technically actually, it's funny. Is this one of those kind of like, sir, I am virtue signaling, respectfully. <laughs> I'm virtue signaling, respectfully. <laughs> Dude, I just had a flashback of like the, the, in, in, like the, 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 the ultra uh, Rocher's advert, like with the, the ambassador's reception. It's just like, sir, with this virtue signaling, you are really spoiling us. <laughs> <laughs> On a serious note, I feel mm. like when you step back, a presenter being taken off a show like that for that yeah. is a very, very dangerous yeah. sign. Yeah. It came close. It came close, you know. For those who didn't like the specific analogy, can I say this? I think we can all agree it came from a place of compassion. That's yeah. the key thing. It came from a place of caring about and people. Never dimin- and never in no way diminishing anything. Ryan, there's, I follow, a, I follow a, a Twitter account called The Refugee List, right? And every mm-hmm. single day it tweets about the death of another person who's drowned as a result of British and European border policy because the routes aren't safe enough. The list is almost at, it's almost at 49,000 and every single day. And a lot of these people, the names aren't even recorded. Yeah. They didn't even have names in death or dignity in death. And I think that's the extent of what we're dealing with. And I suppose to your point about um, this was a positive weekend. In the short term, something positive came of a negative situation. But in terms yeah. of this moving forward, it's like, People clearly do care, right? Not just about mm. the presenters, but they care about this issue. How do they galvanize that, that, that instinct, that feeling towards, I don't know if it's a, a take the knee type thing. I actually wrote about, I actually filed a piece on this quite recently, um, which is coming up. It'll be up by the time this podcast is up, I think, on for British GQ actually, about like where we go next now that we've established that people understand this is a step too far. Where do we take this empathy next? Just before we started recording, there's a, a statement released from the di- Director General of the BBC, Tim Davey. And I'll read this statement for you. Everyone recognises that this has been a difficult period for staff, contributors, presenters, and most importantly, our audiences. I apologise for this. The potential confusion caused by the grey areas of the BBC's social media guidance that was introduced in 2020 is recognised. I want to get matters resolved and our sport content back on there. Impartiality is important to the BBC. It is also important to the public. The BBC has a commitment to impartiality in its charter and a commitment to a freedom of expression. That, that is a difficult balancing act to get right where people are subject to different contracts and on-air positions and with different audience and social media profiles. The BBC's social media guidance is designed to help manage these sometimes difficult challenges and I'm aware that there is a need to ensure that the guidance is up to, to this task. It should be clear, proportionate and appropriate. Accordingly, we are announcing a review led by an independent expert reporting to the BBC on its existing social media guidance with a particular focus on how it applies to freelancers outside news and current current affairs. The BBC and myself are aware that Gary is in favour of such a review. uh, Sorry, shortly, the BBC will announce who who, who will conduct that review. Whilst this work is undertaken, the BBC's current social media guidance remains in place. Gary is a valued part of the BBC and I know how much the BBC means to Gary and I look forward to him presenting our coverage this coming weekend. So a huge, huge, huge climb down. Huge, yeah. And here's the thing as well, like it should never have come to this point because actually I think this is the thing I need to say. I don't know if people understand the emotional pressure that puts on people taking stands like that. Yeah. Like that is a big, big deal. You saw Marcus Rashford and it's incredible. This man, and talk about the resilience of footballers, right? Bukayo Saka, what he went through, and now he's in the form of his life. To come back from that, and you think about the stances these people took, in a compassionate society, these people would have had the support of the bulk of 
the government in power at the time, but they had to confront them, Ryan. In a compassionate society, they wouldn't have ever needed to step out and say stuff like that. These people also had day jobs. They've got day jobs. Yeah. Like you're, being, being a world-class footballer is your day job. Being a world-class presenter is your day job. And on the side, you've got to like do this. It's like, it's wild. It is. Um, do your jobs, people. Following that very lengthy statement from the Director General of the BBC, Tim Davey, Gary Lineker also included his own statement on that, which said, I'm glad that we've found a way forward. I support this review and look forward to getting back on air. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he did write Wild. a few tweets about this, though, saying, um, after a surreal few days, I'm delighted that we've navigated a way through this. I want to thank you all for the incredible support, particularly my colleagues at, B- my colleagues at BBC Sport for the remarkable show of solidarity. Football is a team game, but their backing was overwhelming. I've been, presenting on BBC- I've been presenting sport on the BBC for almost three decades, and I'm immeasurably proud to work with the best and fairest broadcaster in the world. I cannot wait to get back on, in the Match of the Day chair on Saturday. A final thought, however difficult the last few days have been, it simply doesn't compare to having to flee your home from persecution or war to seek refuge in a land far away. It's heartwarming to, to have seen the empathy towards their plight from so many of you. We remain a country of predominantly tolerant, welcoming and generous people. Thank you. I love how he brought it back to the central point. That's so important. That's so important in all of this. That wasn't lost. I know this has got big kind of like keep politics out of football energy, but the politics were literally in football this they week. They were literally in football. So, <laughs> fuck's sake, everyone. What the hell do you expect us to do? We've got a you show to funny. do. What do you want us to do? But even FIFA, even FIFA in November, they made a statement about this and even they had to acknowledge, yeah, like football is kind of like, they mm. said football's not in a vacuum. FIFA said that. <laughs> the BBC, I think, is disappointing they didn't do more to support um, people that work with them, for them, mm. uh, in association with them. That was disappointing. But the government really messed around. They really messed around and found out. When we're back in the UK, obviously, we both got people we dearly love there. And no, we love the country as well. That's why we are so passionate about it. And we care about it. You're back there and you're just seeing how people are going through it. Yeah. People are struggling. Like people are struggling across the, across the board. People are struggling. And I don't, I don't wish ill on people. Like it's, you look at anything, there is so much else going on. Mm. And now you're unleashing against these people. 27 people drowned in November. They drowned in the English Channel in November, Ryan. They drowned. Yeah. Why? Because the authorities, the English and the French authorities, couldn't decide who to take them. They're like, oh, no, no, you rescue them, you rescue them. And they drowned. For hours, they waited and they drowned. Like, and that's why, and it's actually, I wrote this in this, this piece I'm filing soon, like, my only criticism you know, obviously Gallenica made that analogy of 1930s Germany and people have critiqued it from various perspectives. My only criticism of that actually is why did you go that far back in time when actually you could have just said, this is 2020s Britain. You don't have to do even hypotheticals. The bodies are there now. The bodies are on the beach. They're already dead, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's where we are. And I think, you know, we are a football podcast. So you, some might say, well, politics isn't part of this. No, p- politics actually, mm-hmm. politics failed these people so badly that it had to turn to football. Mm. actually it, this, it shouldn't have needed the presenters of a football highlight show not to do all. this not at all this kind of uh, attention and pushback should have should have been happening relentlessly for a long yeah. time yeah I agree so uh, Bournemouth beat Liverpool 1-0 oh my god can I just say there needs to be a new frame for this what do you call it like a submarine right a submarine is a footballing result which actually um because of other stuff that happens, goes under the radar, goes underneath, goes beneath observation. And that this is such a submarine result because Bournemouth beating Liverpool 1-0 is a huge result for Bournemouth, obviously, their survival. Obviously, Liverpool, the place they're in with their huge run over United recently. Mm. And like, <laughs> someone says something so funny, it's almost like <laughs> Liverpool lost and no one's talking about it. I know. It's Bizarre. unbelievable. Beat Liverpool and no one's in the studio to talk about it. Sally, it's unbelievable. I don't know what the voting persuasion is of Bournemouth and the surrounding region, but I tell you what, it's going red next election. <laughs> 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 we will never forgive it's you for fucking this up so badly. We had no commentary or analysis of our win over Liverpool. And also great goal for Billing. Just, oh, oh my God. Otara's amazing as well. Like just, they had so many bright spots in this game. Like and on a very weird weekend, a very weird penalty from Mo Salah. Yes. Just yes. weird, weird penalty. Super weird. Poor Bournemouth, poor Bournemouth. Cause actually in just, a different week, Bournemouth lead the show. And this is, this is the problem as well with it, right? 
you rob people of their joy as well on a superficial Dude, level. How many times have you and I had this conversation recently? Like a, a little glimpse behind the curtain. You and I've uh, you and I have had a couple of oof, how long to the end of the season vibes. Dude, like we've had a couple of like how long we've we got. We're, you know, it's more like crossing off the weeks, right? And uh, I think a lot of that has been because of a the the, the relenting schedule and b also just the amount we looked and we were just like. We would just love to talk about Bournemouth beating Liverpool. We would just love to talk about Sassuolo's m- causing mayhem in Rome. Oh my goodness, yeah, yeah. That would imply the existence of a compassionate world. You know, we can't even talk about the fact that Chelsea scored more than one goal in two With successive ben games. unbelievable volley. That was a hell of a volley as well. It was a oh, great goal. Right, right. It was a great goal. Oh, before we move on from Bournemouth though, I just want to say that like this has been a, even though Bournemouth have only, uh, they lost to Arsenal last weekend. I think the performance from the Arsenal game in this game is really encouraging for Gary O'Neill. Really strong. Because yeah, really like, impressive. They were really, really good against Arsenal. Mm. The performance against Liverpool, yes, Mo Salah could have scored the penalty and it could have been a draw, but even a point, they would have been more than worthy of that because, again, they were just really good. Like, and watching them force people like Trent Alexander-Arnold into bad passes, yeah. stuff like that, you know, where before, you know, he had the freedom of, he had the freedom of Anfield against United, but you see him in this game and really putting the pressure on. I just thought, it's just so lovely to see a really well-coached game mm. against, um, you know, a team that has superior resources and players. It was just really a joy to see that uh, at Bournemouth. And um, pretty, I mean, with uh, a point for Southampton as well on Sunday against Manchester United, um, Leeds getting a point against Brighton and obviously Forrest losing to Spurs. It's made things super duper interesting down the bottom of the table. Southampton still bottling on 22 points. Uh, Leeds on 23. Bournemouth on 24. Good point for Leeds against Brighton. Yeah. Really, really good point. Um, and West Ham getting a point against Villa. I'm a little bit worried about West Ham. I mean, I know you have been for a little while, but do you know who I'm not worried about? Who's that? Everton. Everton. I'm not worried about them because they're <sighs> dashed up and they're not going down. We need to drop those tees. <laughs> dashed up. Like going down. I told you, man. Like, I, I, as soon as that was made, that appointment was made. I was, I think, I think we were, we were like, I think they're going to stay up. They've got the minerals for it for sure. Do you want to talk about your uh, Manchester United? Just in the context of Southampton, Southampton actually, they they've got some decent results at Old Trafford for a while. A nil nil draws, a good result there. Uh, I suppose the headline from this actually, really quite a good game. Mm. Quite an exciting nil nil. I think they hit the woodwork twice, Southampton. Great save from um, De Gea as well in the first half. It was quite close to him, but still a great save, great reflex save. Mm-hmm. Casemiro with a red that he looked really distraught about. I will say this, obviously the reason the red's given after VAR is that he did get the ball, but he went high on the ball. Mm. So technically it is a red. And it's I one of those ones red. where it's not a, it was not a cruel tackle. It was a reckless tackle, I think. I think that's fair to say. And him getting, you know, sad and you, you saw him like, you know, head in his hands. Anthony comforted him which is actually, Anthony's done, you know, he's had a difficult start, I think, at United, but he's done a couple of things I've really liked on the field. This is maybe my favourite thing that Anthony's done, comforting, comforting Casemiro after his red. Oh, it was so sweet. And when he goes off, you see how much he cares because this is someone who's professional, he's a proud winner, and the 7-0 is going to weigh heavily on a guy like that, I think. Um, and this, you know, home game against Southampton is a chance to reassert, get United a good result. Nil-nil is not a good result against Southampton at home when you're down to 10 men. Nope. Great result for Southampton. So happy for them from that perspective. Could and maybe should have won it, I think. Southampton? Yeah, maybe should have won it. Just, what just about the penalty on Rashford? Mm. I mean, I'm not overly I don't exercised. think it cost them the game, put yeah. it that way. Yeah, I don't think it did. I don't think it did. But- there were some wild decisions this weekend, but we don't really have time to go over. Yeah, sorry, not, yeah, because of um, the show. But yeah, yeah. Um, Palace losing one 0 at home to Man City thanks to a haul and penalty. Mm. Uh, I yeah, I mean, Palace were basically just camp. They were just <laughs> yeah, hold, trying to hold Man City off for the That's entire right, yeah. game. I think Man yeah. City deserved the win. Yeah, um, and Spurs beating Forest. We mentioned it quickly, but I think for Spurs. One of those, like, just get three points and move on. Mm. No drama. Yeah. Like, it's been tricky at the moment. I think it was a, it felt like a really weird game, this, though. I saw, mm. a, uh, I can't remember who it was now. Might have even been Seb saying that it felt like a friendly. That's interesting. 
Mm. Uh, Newcastle beating Wolves. Good win for them. Good header for Isaac. Alaron as well, deflected winner. Also, what a season for him. Nick Pope getting away with an absolute <laughs> wild shove, uh, yeah. which should have been a penalty. Again, another wild decision, some weird yeah. decisions this weekend. Yeah. Uh, and Arsenal cruising past Fulham. Weird yeah. refereeing decisions is not a bad segue into our next bit, but we'll get to that in a moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Arsenal, Arsenal, wow. Trossard, yeah. okay. I mean, it's been said by everyone else, but yeah. the signing of Trossard Very by good Arsenal. Signing. Has a player ever fitted in more quickly? In a transfer window, maybe as quickly, of course, I'm sure there'll be great examples uh, mm-hmm. um, listeners will send us. It's hard to think of a player who has fitted in more quickly than Trossard. Mm-hmm. And to him, give him credit, Jorginho as well. They've both absolutely slotted in, but Trossard in particular is a great piece of analysis. Shout out to JJ Bull doing a great um, video uh, on Tifo. Harlem Hills, yeah. a full time on TIFO, about Trossard's brilliance against Fulham and the fluidity he allows Martinez to play with. Martinelli, who I describe as sort of a part-time centre forward, really, in the sense that he loves operating wide and centrally. And Trossard with the fluidity allows him to do that so well, as explained so well by JJ in the video. Mm. And just Arsenal doing that really impressive thing where they go out to a half-time lead at 3-0. And actually, I, I sometimes, I quite like watching teams that do a 3-0 at half-time or a 4-0 and then just like control the match. You don't have to do more. My favourite Arsenal performance under Wenger will always be the 4-0 against West Ham at Highbury. And it was 4-0 at halftime there. And the second half, they just were like cruise control. Mm. And I do like that. 27 games gone, 11 to go. I would gladly take 11 more of these. <laughs> I'm sure you would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shall we take a break? Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games... It's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. We want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. All right, man, before we talk about uh, Barcelona, shall we, uh, is there any, any, any results of no, the only one I really wanted to shout out was, um, well, from, from Germany was uh, the derby. Schalke 2, Good game there. Good game. Really good game. Two great Dortmund goals and two pretty well-worked goals for Schalke as well. If we really are, frustrating for Dortmund. Frustrating for Jude Bellingham, actually. If it's, it's not often he will be involved in the build-up for two Schalke the goals. The first like that. one, right? That was both. First yeah. one. And then maybe also for being slightly critical, standing off a bit too much for the second for the cross. Um, mm. Bino Gittins had a great chance to make it 3-1 though. A really good chance. Really did, yeah. And if you get a chance to watch Dortmund's second goal, because it'll get lost in the clamour by Guerrero, the pass so by Emre Chan. Good. Oh, so good. <laughs> Emre he's, Chan. He's Emre Chan's good, man. He's like, he gets bag. a lot of he's, sick, he's but like, he's bag. a good player. Yeah. I love him. Uh, I think he's been brilliant since return to Dortmund. Been brilliant. Yeah. And Schotterbeck, uh, Schotterbeck's goal celebration after his brilliant opener is so cool. It's I mean, so yeah, cool. I like, I'm a big fan of Nico Schlotterbeck, right? Let's just say he's not exactly Leon Goretzka in the, like, in the, uh, in the Cubs category. No, he's right? not. He's not. No, no, no. But he absolutely smashed one in the corner and then did the bicep flex celebration. Amazing. But yeah, so uh, annoying for Dortmund because Bayern had, um, had been Augsburg earlier on in the, in the day, 5-3, wild mm. game. Yeah. Um, and uh, I would say for Dortmund though it, they, they could have closed it out at the same time a draw in the derby at Schalke is never a bad result yeah I mean listen they're halfway through March and the title's still in their own hands so I mean Dortmund and Bayern have the, the league in their own hands you know which yeah. is wild anything else of note in the Bundesliga you want to talk about this weekend or? Uh, no no leave it there Nothing should better. we just quickly talk of Sassuolo Roma yeah because this was a wild wild game Um. It was a shame actually because Roma had two, like two. Well, all of the Roma goals were really, really lovely. Uh, Kambula got sent off in stoppage time at the end of the first half, and so Roma played. Sassuolo winning four three away. There should almost be like a Sassuolo index where we just look at their calendar and go. By the way, if they're playing that team, it's going to be it's going to be a banger. Basically, yeah. There are just certain teams they match up with really well in terms of their style of play, mm. where you know it's going to be a bit of a thriller. Mm. Obviously, you know, Napoli Sassuolo is always going to be a vibe. Um, yeah, certain teams they play against where it's always a bit entertaining. 
Um, great win for them. Oh, before we forget, while we're in Serie A, we have Are to you talk, about, talk about Kravitz Gilly's goal. Of course. Oh my. Oh my goodness. goodness. Do you know how you know how well this man's playing? I compared him to Roberto Baggio on Twitter and there was no pushback. There was no pushback. You know why? Twitter engagements just plummeted. <laughs> that was six months ago. You would have been cooked. It would have come for me. <laughs> Napoli beating Atalanta. It, the game is always vibes. Beating them 2-0. Um, great win for them because Atalanta obviously strong showing this season. The goal by Quarant Scalia. Okay, first of all, Osimhen does so well to escape coverage and plays this great angled ball into Quarant Scalia. So the, the goal is already like going to be very good when the ball comes to Quarant Scalia. He then advances into the box. Five defenders go with him and they don't stand a chance. Mm-hmm. Many man enter, one prevail. It's just, <laughs> it's sensational. The man cuts in inside left, shimmies, throws his entire body weight to the left so and good. three defenders, clean house, cuts back inside and rips it, rips mm-hmm. it in the top corner. I mean, it was like peak Roberto Baggio, not Fiorentina Baggio, like peak. Because, you know, Baggio at Fiorentina had all the skill, but hadn't added the power. And then he's adding the resolve to it. This man is absolutely box office. Do you know what? It's a good job he scored that goal because he had one in the first half where Anguisa was fucking livid with him for not pulling it back. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, and he's normally quite good at that. He's normally quite yeah, good at Yeah, he decisions. is really good, yeah, actually. He's normally yeah, quite good. Yeah, 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 he is quite good. And I was like, all right, fair play. He made, at least he made up for it. Yeah, it's an absolute banger of a goal. It is a a truly world class effort. It's so one of the good. goals. It's one of the goals of the season. Which saying, looking at his highlight reel, is saying something. Like if yeah. someone said to you at the start of the weekend, oh, by the way, he's going to score an even better goal than like his previous ones. You'd be like, no, that's it's not trolling us. It's not possible. He went and did it. Eighteen Wild. points clear at the top because um, Inter lost to Spezia. Spezia. Oh, with a goal from Maldini on loan from AC Milan. Wow. <laughs> Incredible, incredible. Uh, this is not a title race. It is a procession at this point. Mm. At this point. Good win for Juve in a yeah. really good game, actually, against Samp. And Samp, that first half was so good. Uh, the opening half an hour or so, uh, saw four goals. Uh, Bremen and Rabio sticking Juve 2-0 up and then uh, Ogelo and Juricic in, what, like in the space of a minute, basically got Samp back into it just after half an hour. But um, yeah, Juve were too good in the second half. And Vlajevic missed a penalty as well, where it hit the post. It's hard to get a read on Juve at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Another one of those teams that are very much in the, like, let's just get to the end of the season. Yeah, definitely. Get it over and done with. Let's do La Liga very quick. Uh, and yes. the only, I mean, Barcelona beating Athletic Club 1-0 at San Mamez. Can I say as well, just in relation to the goal they got here, this was... Old school Busquets, amazing rolling back the year Busquets, edge of the box. There's a game that Busquets beat, I think when, when Barcelona thrashed Valencia, where he basically just camped out the edge of their box, despite not really having much legs anymore, and just destroyed them from like the 30-yard line, so 30-yard sort of range. This is an unbelievable assist here, the way he drags it in, pushes it out to Rafinha, who gets the goal after the VAR. Mm. Um, gorgeous, gorgeous goal, considering that Busquets may not have that much time left. No. Camp now. So yeah, a great win for them just to keep them in the pack. Really good win for Real Madrid against Espanyol, having gone a goal down and just come back into focus. I really, it's really, a, it's a bit naive of me, but I always get a bit, not anxious for Real Madrid, but a bit concerned when I see that front three of Valverde, Rodrigo and Vinicius. Because I'm always like, oh, like, where's, and it's so naive, didn't it? It's, it's because I remember the times that didn't work. You know that, that it took a long, long time for that configuration to work for Real Madrid. And now it's just like, it's guaranteed goals because of the fluidity. But there was a time where I was like, where are the goals going to really come from? And they just, Vinicius, man, you talk about performance under pressure, mm. resilience, considering what his experience this year. And again, just coming up with the goods in this game. Really impressive. Um, I just want to give a shout out to Valencia because they had a massive win this weekend. They beat Osasuna uh, 1-0. And that might not sound like a massive win, but Osasuna at eighth in the table and Valencia climb. It got Valencia out of the relegation zone. They were next to bottom for the weekend. Um, yeah, that miserable season. It's really, really bad season, but um, just a gigantic yeah. win for them. And they go to Atleti next weekend. So 
Um, but yeah, in the Barcelona, let's talk about Barcelona quick because there was a decision at the end of this game, 87th minute, and Yaki Williams had a goal disallowed. They equalised a disallowed. And oh I, God, for the build-up. Oh. And I actually think it was, I think, I mean, it was handball, right? It was. You see the decision at first, I was like, well, is it offside? No, he's run from his own. And yeah. then you see it, but was it Minayin with the handball? Yeah. I'm not sure it was Min- And I, I saw it, I thought, okay, well, fair enough. Okay, that is, the question is always how far back do you go to disallow a goal? it's fair. Like it's, I don't like it, but it's fair. It's the kind of thing, of course, that just doesn't get seen mm. in a previous lifetime, previous AR, but that is, that's the cost, isn't it? That's the cost of having the review. I don't mm. see how you, do you know, here's the thing. I don't see how you can't disallow it. If you have the information mm. to hand, I just don't see how you can disallow it. It's sad, but there you go. If this had come at another time, I don't think there would be as much chat about it, but there are a few uh, social media posts from some um, athletic club players. Inyaki Williams just wrote, ha, 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 ha. Raul Garcia did the kind of like shrug emoji on Instagram, but I think they were ambiguous enough not to be... Actionable. Yeah. Well, we're going to get into into that, aren't we? We're going to get into that. Let's do it now, and let's do a little bit on this, because I feel like it's been out in the news for a little while, and we've been meaning to dip into it. We've referenced it a couple of times, but... It's, uh, Barcelona have now been formally charged for corruption and this, regard, this is regards yes. to making continued payments over a sustained period of time to the former vice president of, Sp- of the Spanish Football's Refereeing Committee, Jose Maria Enriquez Negrera. And he held the role between 1940... Yeah, the, the, um, that should be specific. It's the Spanish FA's Technical Committee of Referees. Yeah. There you go. Held the role between 1994 and 2018. He himself is also facing charges. As is Bartomeu, again... And Sandra Rossell. Shit got so bad that Fiorentino Perez called an emergency board meeting on Sunday. Comunicado Oficial. Yeah, there was a Comunicado Oficial. Shall I read the Comunicado Oficial? It says, Real Madrid wishes to express its utmost concern regarding the gravity of the facts and reiterates its confidence in the legal system. A rare W for the Spanish legal system there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, the club yes. has agreed that in defence of its legitimate rights, it will appear at the trial when the judge opens it up to the affected parties. The gist of this is, prosecutors found a load of payments made from Barcelona to a company which was owned by Negrera over a 17-year period. To between 2001 and 2018, in which time Barcelona won eight league titles. Yes. Couple of trebles. Eight league titles. The total value was 7.3 million euros paid from Barcelona to two companies owned by Negrera. Shout out to The Athletic for their reporting. I want to just add this in because this feels relevant now. Perhaps the most, this is a direct quote from The Athletic's article. Perhaps the most illuminating comment to have emerged so far is the testimony given by Enriquez Negrera himself to Spain's tax authorities reported in Spanish media in which he said Barcelona had paid him, this is a quote, to make sure no refereeing decisions were made against them, which is to say, for everything to be neutral. That is extraordinary. This is potentially, it may not be existential in a uh, financial sense, but in a moral sense, mm. right? In terms of what Barcelona stands for. And you look at this and like, this was around in the era of Cruyff, you know, from you know, well, Cruyff, Cruyff had stopped. He was not man. He was manager until ninety four. So it was just after him. But if you look at what Cruyff built and the reputation of the club and all the rest of it, this is um, this is a level of corruption, right? In terms of allegations, beyond maybe even that which Juventus were mm. accused of. Mm. It's that big. It's that big. Mm. In terms of the scale of the allegations and the duration and the amount of money that moved hands, Ryan, what are you getting for your money? If you're paying a vice president of a technical committee referees that much money over that much time, what are you getting in return? Yeah, I mean, actually, it got athletic club fans protesting against Barcelona, they had a load of like fake money, which had uh, like blue and red fake bills that have mafia with a dollar sign on it and Barcelona, the Barcelona logo. And they kind of were throwing them like confetti. There were a load of chants just saying a segunda. Mm. That that's basically was was fans chanting that as like almost yeah, like calling for relegation. Piss, they're going to get relegation. But uh, Tabas has actually said that in in terms of like sporting punishments, they can't really do anything. The league can't actually do anything because it takes place more than three years ago. Um, there's a quote that he says it's not possible for there to be any sporting punish sportive punishment from our side. 
It's been five years since those payments stopped, and these kinds of breaches are time-barred in our rulebook three years after it's taken place. So actually, Barcelona aren't going to face any sporting sanctions from this, whatever happens, but they might face severe criminal ones. Valverde was asked in the press conference um, about this, and there was a quote that he said, if, I, if when I won the league with Barca, it was because of Negreira, we won it by 14 points over the second-place team, and the cup final was 5-0. There is no doubt who was the best team that season. So this is the thing, you've got like a load of people who might, to be honest, I don't, I don't expect for one second that any of the playing or coaching staff would have been aware of this stuff. I'd be surprised mm. if members of the playing staff knew. I'd be surprised if a significant number of the coaching staff knew, but not if none, because you don't know in a club that big, who knows what. What's interesting is that none of this stuff was written down. The conversations, all oral conversations, all, you know, wherever, who knows, car parks, bus stops, whatever, park, who knows where they were made. But this, these conversations weren't recorded. And I think that's the thing where, to your point of as few people knowing as possible, all I'm saying is really, you make that much money available to an individual like that in a position like that. What are you getting in return? There's a lot of smoke there, man. There's a lot of smoke. There's a lot of smoke. I don't want to say anything, but it doesn't look great. <laughs> I'm just, I'm holding the hands up. I'm like, listen, I don't know. And then Barcelona survive and win a game due to what many would perceive as a, I don't personally, but what many would perceive as a questionable VAR yeah. decision. It's right. just, it's going to, it's just going to be so fucking messy now. It is, it is. And just a, yet more drama in a club that seemed to have it together. And what that does for their reputation like, oh man, I hey, dude, done. dude, honestly. I mean, it's <laughs> Barcelona and the Conservative government. Oh, who has fumbled the moral and financial bag more than Barcelona in the last 10 years? Wow. Uh, Matt Hancock's PPE contracts. Oh, yeah. hey, hey, that. <laughs> Imagine, it wouldn't actually surprise me if it turned out that Matt Hancock had been paying Negreiro all that time as well for PPE contracts. That's what Negreiro is. Oh, oh can you imagine? <laughs> What a crossover that would be. Can you, <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Most audacious crossover. If that happened, I think Stadio would implode in itself. Like That's a singularity. So that's a nexus event. Talk of everything everywhere all at once. Stadio would be sucked into the bagel that would, if that happened. <laughs> if actually the Guerrero had been using the bunny that Barcelona had allegedly paid him to fund the Conservatives in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have to say uh, I have to stress from illegal that is not an accusation that is a satirical jokey point that's absolutely yes, it's, it's absolutely yeah, absolutely I don't want Fiorentino Perez to call an emergency meeting about actually do you know what oh my god oh my god, your, oh my god. I, Ryan me of all people no that is, a, no, that is our <laughs> actual a new career goal we want to do a stadio podcast that is so like unbelievably accusatory Wild. that Fiorentino Perez has had to call an emergency meeting. Real Madrid. No, 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 no. I don't even want that. I just want the Comunicado Oficial. <laughs> That's all I want. Can you imagine the excitement of opening up being like, it's about us. <laughs> Real Madrid has been made aware of a stat of an edition of the Stadio podcast. We will be making no further comment until we address, until uh, this time. We consult our legal counsel. <laughs> <laughs> this oh is like goodness. the fucking Tom Hanks meme in the Green Mile. Oh, uh. uh, <laughs> <laughs> What a silly podcast. What a silly podcast. Two silly podcasters from a very silly country. Indeed. Indeed. Oh, well. I mean, you knew what this was. If you're still listening to this point, I mean, we can't help you. (laughs) (laughs) We're not accountable. (laughs) Yeah. Should we get out of here? Yeah, let's bounce. All right. We hope everyone's staying safe, staying well. Yeah, yeah. Switching off. Getting rid of the noise for a little bit. That's right. Yeah. Um, Because it's been a lot. It can really feel relentless, a lot of this stuff, can't it? So we hope everyone's hanging in there. Really can. Don't forget to check Wright's house on Tuesday. Don't Do forget to check Stadio back on Thursday. Don't forget to check theringer.com forward slash soccer. Check stadio.football, scroll to the bottom, pop your email address in. Newsletter coming soon. Also, maybe with a competition. <gasps> I haven't even told Moose about this yet. Oh my goodness. Moose is going to have to enter. <laughs> Don't forget to check Stadio on Twitter, Stadio Football on Instagram, and the Stadio Outros playlist on Spotify. Speaking of which, we are playing out on Nos Magia by Arp Freak. Anything you would like to add, Muswak Wonga? Nothing further. Wunderbar. 
In that case. Was für ein Podcast. <laughs> ja, Wahnsinn. <laughs> Until Thursday. Much love, everyone. Take care. We'll see you then. See you then. Bandera, 